0: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times cuz you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. I'm Chris Voss here from the chrisvoss.com The Chris Voss show. Welcome, there you go. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys coming by. Thanks for being here and being part of the show. We are the number one distributor according to uh, the latest leading uh, polls. I know I'm just making up shit at this point. Number one distributor in positivity, imagination, knowledge, power, thoughtfulness, inspiration. Did everybody say inspiration? We are the number one distributor of all those things, and not by any sort of metric, we just self-declared ourselves that, or at least that's what I came up with it at 4 a.m. in the morning when I'm like, hey, that sounds funny, do that on the show, and then it wasn't. But anyway, guys, welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate you guys being here, uh, a way to participate in the Chris Foss Show Glow For 15 years, we've been bringing the smartest, brilliant people, the billionaires, the CEOs, the White House advisors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, all of these great authors, minds, people that will inspire you, give you that uh, Chris Foss Show goal as i mentioned before uh take you to the next level and that's what we do all the time here but before we get to our next guest who will be doing that for us today uh we want to admonish you encourage you uh maybe threaten you uh refer the show to your family friends or all just go to goodreads.com for chess christmas youtube.com for chess christmas linkedin.com for Chris Voss, Chris christmas one on the tickety-tockety and as always the new place where you can chat with the show ChrisVossFacebook.com. You can go to the big 5,500 Facebook uh, crew that we have over there, and you can actually chat with us. we got one of those message things running that everyone's so annoyed by <laughs> that's it's the new thing on Facebook. Uh, so you can check that as well. Subscribe to the LinkedIn newsletter and the 103,000 LinkedIn group as well. Uh, today we have an amazing author on the show. He, we uh, we talking to him about his new book called Everyone is Afraid, A Fable of Fear, friendship and flourishing. Ron Macklin joins us on the show today. He'll be talking to us about his new book. that just came out October 5th, 2023 and all of his insights is learned learning that went into it, et cetera. Uh, Ron, Realized early in his engineering career that he had a passion for building and leading teams. And he realized that to succeed, he needed to build a deep network of support. He needed to learn why people connect and how they create results together. This realization led him on a 20-year journey that culminated in the creation of the seven-step Macklin Connection Method and the launch of math- Macklin Connection. Um, Ron earned a degree in engineering from Kansas State University and quickly grew into leadership positions in his crew. In his career and his crew in his career, in his career. <laughs> Ron grew to lead teams that set nine world records, count them, and won dozens of customer satisfaction awards. At Siemens, for example, uh, Ron led a support division with 350 employees that worked over five million hours. That was just the first week. Without a loss, time injury, it was voted the best place to work in Houston. Damn, by the Houston Business Journal, uh, twice. Ron has created a growth culture responsible for increasing profits by twenty million dollars. And has led seven different groups from worst to best in class. His new book uh, just came out, and it's the number one release and number two bestseller on Amazon. In an age where success is measured by exterior accomplishments and social validation, one man dares ask the unspoken question: What if everyone is afraid? And he joins us here today. Welcome to the show, Ron. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for inviting me to the show.
0: Thanks for coming. It's great to have you. Give us your dot coms. Where are all the places you want people to find you on the interwebages in the sky.
1: Thanks. You can always find me on LinkedIn, Ron Macklin. And then you can also, uh, dot com on my our website. And we also have a, uh, mighty networks page, which is imaginal dot A
0: lot of imagining going on in there. Yes. A lot of imagination. (laughs) There you go. So give us a 30,000 overview. What's inside this book? Everyone is afraid. A fable of fear, friendship, and flourishing.
1: So the book starts. It's a fable. And the reason I chose fable Mm -hmm. is because I love stories. And what I love about stories is I learn something and I don't know I learn it. It kind of sneaks in. Right. And then like two weeks later, I go, oh, there's a thing. I see it. Now I can hold it. Right. So the story is about a group of people who, Basically, we're hanging out together in college and that's 10 years later hmm. and they've all gone their own ways and they're all really focused on doing everything in life to get there, get ahead, to take care of their families, do all that stuff. Hmm. But they have all these fears and nobody talks about them ah. and these fears that they don't ever talk about are tricking them into doing things that really doesn't serve them to progress their careers hmm. or build relationship with their family. Or to build a family or to do all those things. And this is the chance for them to, well, have a significant event that happens hmm. where everybody gets to get together and look at themselves a little uh-huh. bit at a time, a little bit of time. So there's all these characters that have fears, but what they have this story is, is they're the only ones that have the fears versus that everybody has these fears. Yeah. And that's the whole purpose of the book is, and what I noticed was the more powerful people I met in the world successful, capable, they talked about their fears. Mm. They sat down and you'd have a conversation. They go, well, this scared me and that scared me and this scared me. And people who are like stuck, they don't talk about their fears. Mm. Right. And, and, uh, you can read in the book, but I had a quick conversation, uh, went to a presentation with a guy named Bowen White, Dr. Bowen White. And he was talking about fear. And I was like 31 at the time and really not confident at all in what I was doing and I was in a room with a bunch of executives, like 50 and 60 year olds. And he started talking about fear. And I was like, Going, oh God, he's gonna point at me. He's he's gonna point at me, and you know, I'm gonna be giving up right there on the spot. Sounds like
0: you're having some fear.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> he says these questions. How many of you think how many of you are afraid? And you think there's something wrong with you that you're afraid? And I was just kind of slowly raising my hand, and then he said, Look around. And everyone in the room had to had their hand up. Wow. And so it's a space where when we can notice that we're afraid, there's nothing wrong with being afraid, right? and we can talk about it, we can take away the power. And that's what this book does. It brings forth the opportunity for people to look at their fears, talk mm-hmm. about it, and build connections with other people.
0: There you go. And one of the most important things about life, not only stories like you're talking about, but also you know realizing we're not alone that there are other people that are having maybe the same struggles we are. And that if we can work together with other people, maybe who resolved it, you know, like and this is why we have people on the right books and stuff. They've, uh, they've learned how to resolve what their issues are. And now they're helping it share with other people. So what are some of these fears? Are they like the fears that I have fears of spiders and snakes and clowns? Uh,
1: um, clowns, maybe uh, <laughs> snakes and spiders, not so much, but it's a simple fear that like we're not good enough. Oh, we're we're not fast enough. We're we're not strong enough. We're not uh, good looking enough, or we're too good looking, or we're, hmm. um, you know, all those fears inside of us of our own inadequacies, mm-hmm. and we we try to hide them. Right, that's why I love oh. Facebook. You can go to Facebook and look around. Everybody's hiding their fears by look at how good my life is. That's true. Here's, and and, here's. and all, all you see, you don't see people, you see their shields to protect their fears. Hmm. And I, I love going around and looking at that and going, like, if you could get a real good, com- a real open, honest, authentic conversation, you could really build a relationship with just about anybody in the world.
0: So you can use what you can analyze with about their fears to build a relationship and help them resolve those issues or manipulate well, them we, like a narcissist?
1: Don't, we don't. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody will probably try.
0: That sounds like when, someone.
1: when we've shared our fears, in a way, we become vulnerable. Oh. Right. And at the same time, mm-hmm. it, when we're vulnerable, it allows the other person to be vulnerable mm-hmm. because all, well, you know, well, yeah, this is oh, he's kind of like me, or you know, she's kind of like me, it has the same kind of fears. Now we have the open conversation, and those conversations build a connection that you can trust going forward. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of what the Macklin Method is to be able to build those kind of relationships because when we go through life together, mm-hmm. life is pretty good. But if we have a story that we have to do it on our own and like our culture helps that, I mean, I grew up with Clint Eastwood. My parents grew up with John Wayne uh, mm-hmm. all these movie stars that, you know, they could do everything on their own. They didn't need help from anybody. Mm-hmm. And yet they all, we all need help. Yeah. We do we, we do better when we thrive together.
0: Yeah. Plus they had a lot of help. They had screenwriters and directors and producers. Best boys and grips and dollies.
1: <laughs> yeah. They all that stuff, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pilgrim, I can't do John Wayne. I can do no, no. it on a good day. Um, watch it now in our Pilgrim. That doesn't sound like John Wayne at all. Um, so uh, you you go through your, I imagine part of this is uh, rooted in your journey. Tell us about your journey and your hero's journey through your life, and what got you here.
1: Thanks. So um, I, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. Um, my first career was a football player. So I mm-hmm. played through high school, through college, uh, played at Kansas State. And what I learned there was like how to lead a team, like how to mm-hmm. be on the field as a team, as a leader, and be out, I mean, in the field. And then w- when I went out into the world, I loved that part of it. I, I mean, I could just go play football without the pads and all the injuries and the headaches. And, of course, you would have cheerleaders and all the other stuff, too. But when you got out in the field, you could lead teams and produce something that was greater than what you could do on your own. Mm-hmm. So, so I fell into the project management of the domain. I went into uh, I was working in nuclear plants and coal-fired power plants, big, big power plants. What is it? The 1.1 gigawatts, right? We were mm-hmm. working at 1.4 gigawatt plants. Yeah. And so we had a lot of fun taking apart, putting them together, and that's how we started to set records because we were having fun doing it. And we found the faster we went, the more fun we had. Mm-hmm. Because you spent less time doing things over again. Right. So people are having a good time doing what they're doing. And that's when I started to embrace on the target of like, how do we bring a team together of people mm-hmm. where there's not like one person telling everybody what to do, but it's like everybody adds in, everybody puts something in, everybody gets to mm-hmm. contribute, everybody gets to add on to what other people got. Now you have a chance that you can really do something greater than anybody or anyone could do. Wow! And that became my, like my passion. Like, so I, as I went around and took on different groups and I really looked for. Like, what are the worst groups out there? <laughs> Ones that are struggling in terrible shape financially or people are quitting or they're whatever that is.
0: Yeah, we're talking about Twitter, I guess, or the new X.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no doubt about
1: that. Mm-hmm. And how do you make it to where it's a fun place to go?
0: You fire Elon Musk? Mm-hmm. Wait, you're just talking about teams in general. Uh, the uh, and, and then... It it's amazing how much team building, team leadership and all that stuff makes a difference. Is is this why a lot of organizational hierarchies aren't effective as much anymore? Because they either have bad teams or good teams.
1: Yeah, the 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 reason that uh hierarchical organizations are limited is they're depending upon the knowledge of the one person at the top. Ah. Right? And 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 I don't care who the greatest person is. Two really good people will beat them. And if you, if you have a fundamental, you say, I've got 30 people working together Mm -hmm. that are open, trusting, vulnerable, connected, having fun, having humor, laughing, carrying on, they will outperform any hierarchy team. Wow! Like there's a, there's a whole book out. Um, there's a couple books that are written on it, but, uh, uh, Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Lelo has like really been documenting what's happening. And wow. The self-led teams are what I call the fifth business revolution. Mm. It's it's happening right now. And teams that are want to create and, in a world where robots can do all the labor, mm-hmm. the team that can create will win.
0: There you go. And being able to create, having a learning organization is really important. That was always important to me, having... Trying to have an organization that could, uh, that could learn from the fifth uh, discipline series, Peter Singe, I think it was. Yep. Uh, so, you have something you developed called the Macklin Connection. What makes that thing different? Well, what um, is it, I suppose.
1: So, the, the, the Macklin Connection method, mm-hmm. which, like, the first parts of the method are really focusing on yourself. Like, it's not how do I build a connection over there? It's like, what is my stand? What will I do? What won't I do? What might I do? And when you really look at what you do, and you can just look at yourself and figure out what you do because you're doing it now, Mm -hmm. then you can choose whether you want to do that. Once you really figure out exactly what you will do, won't do, and might do, you can go out and talk to somebody else and have this space. So that's step one. What is your stand? And be your stand. Step two, right, is to go out and say, where can I be of offer of help? Not like, I'll do this for you. What tidbit of knowledge, what little thing could you offer to somebody? What kind of question could you ask? What kind of mechanics could you bring forth in a way that people could go, Oh, that's pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good. I, I, where'd you get that? I kind of, all those kinds of questions because uh-huh. I hold it like myself. I, I go through three stages in my day every day. Right? One, I'm a, I'm a plus self, which means I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out, man. You don't, I don't need help. Right? Zero self. I got to figure it figured out. And of course, unless Chris Voss shows up, then I'm going to listen to Chris because Chris has got, got the game, man.
0: Right. I don't know if our guests do, but I know. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah uh, well,
0: <laughs> it's your show, man.
1: So now yeah. then you go into the minus self, which is somebody who goes, I don't have it figured out. I'm curious. Uh-huh. I got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you make an offer to somebody who's a plus self, are they going to listen? Do they care? No. You're looking to help them out in a way that they start to get curious. They're open to help. And at mm-hmm. that space, then you can say, okay, step three, where could we connect? How can we go forward? There's other steps later, but those are the first three steps on how to build a relationship with somebody that's based on trust and vulnerability. So uh-huh. therefore you can, like the relationship will last, will last, it'll last till you're gone.
0: Do we seem to have lost the art of building authentic relationships? Are we struggling with it now? I was, I, I didn't hear what you're saying before because I was looking at my phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is that uh, is that one of the struggles we're having? Um,
1: I see, like uh, when I was a young child, and I hung out with my grandparents, uh, farmers out in the world. Mm-hmm. They had much more authentic connections with people than what I see we yeah. have today.
0: Yeah,
1: right. They they really trust their lives, dependent upon the neighborhood to survive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and today we've lost that interdependence. Or at least we've lost the story of the independent interdependence. And so it's it's much more challenging because people aren't as committed to learning the skills of building a relationship.
0: Yeah. And building authentic relationships seems to be almost like a premium now. If you can do it, if you can talk to people, if you look them in the eye, if you can, um, you know, be loyal, trustworthy, you know, some of the things you need to have a healthy relationship. It's almost like an ultra premium, really, because people, people don't know what to do with it. They're just kind of like, whoa. It,
1: if you want to have, if you want to live a good, I don't mean like a super rich life. I mean, you want to live a life that you have like dignity and fun and connection with people so that you can share what's going on with you. It It's a requirement.
0: There you go. Well, that sounds overrated. I don't want that. Uh, I'm going to go with misery and unhappiness for, uh, Two hundred, Alex. Um, <laughs> don't do that, people. Um, so, this building authentic relationships—how does this transform into professional connections and uh, you know building teams and and leading?
1: Um, many ways. Let's start with just a couple. We have a uh, we have a meeting, a group meeting, right? And um, there's ten people in the room, and in the room there's somebody there who is called the manager or the leader. Mm -hmm. And then you've got um, 10 other people there. Maybe one wants to be a manager someday, so they're going to contribute. Mm -hmm. And then one person who's like going like, I don't know what he did, said to me last time, I'm not going to say anything. And somebody else is going to say in the corner, like, well, I'll only speak when spoken to because last time I did, it didn't go so well for me. And now you have this group of 10, right? And a space where one person saying something, a couple of people following it and everybody else turtling. And I mean, turtling as in pulling back in because Hmm. because they don't feel it's safe right now let's go forward and say everybody in there right has had a vulnerable conversation has talked about fears and everybody has dignity because they feel respected by others they feel open with others now somebody says something in the same room same people Hmm. somebody says something somebody else adds something to it and then somebody else goes well if we took that and that and added this to it it would be different and then somebody else says, well how about this now we're building on top of each other's thoughts where Before we had all of our thoughts just staying as stories in our heads and nobody got a chance to build on. Hmm. And now there's a trust. There's an openness. People get done. Everybody feels that they contributed. When I go to, when I go to work, when I show up in a project or in a job or anything, I don't want to waste my time. I want to contribute to somebody. I want to contribute to others. I want to make a difference in the world. When everybody feels that they're doing that, Creation goes way up.
0: Wow. Yeah. Being creative is, is the ultimate in business. If you're not, if your teams aren't being creative and innovating and coming up with all the new newest, like things, you know, you're going to be behind your competitors cause they are. <laughs>
1: well, they are, or um, it's not just, I mean, there's a competition part of it. There's a profitability standpoint. That's why I have profit groups that doubled their profit, like 20 million increases years on end. Wow. Now, It wasn't just that we were also voted the best place to work in Houston, Texas at the same time. And that, or the way you get voted in on that is people vote on people who work for you, vote on whether it's a good place to work or not.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: They do it completely random or completely uh, anonymous in a space. So now people loved what they were doing and we were making more money and all at the same time. There you go. And, and we had several people who didn't want to be there anymore. And so we helped them figure out a better place
0: to go. <laughs> there you go. There's the door, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, Kelly funds in the show. Yes, Facebook and social media in general is full of f- a fake place, full of mass. Love this conversation. Thank you, Kelly. We mm-hmm. certainly appreciate it. Um, one thing you talk about in the book that t- ties into that is um, the book is an invitation, the story, fable that you tell in the book to drop the shields. Embrace learning and discover that beneath our individual stories, we're united in our fears and our courage. Um, talk to us a little bit about dropping the shields. I think Kelly, you alluded a little bit to that. Yep. So um,
1: a shield, like mm. in the military sense, it's something to protect you from what's coming at you from the enemy. Mm. And a shield that we have is like a story shield, like a story in my head. Like I won't, I'll make only those accomplishments out there that I think are good. That's the only ones I'm going to put up. Mm. I'm not going to put up like people go, Ron, you're, your number two bestseller. You should just say bestseller. Why, why would I just say bestseller? Or when I say number two bestseller, they go, well, unless you're number one, don't put it out there. Just put bestseller and go like, no, I'm number two. That's, that's who I am. Right. That's what, that's, that's where it's at. If I get to be bit number one, I'll be number one. Mm. Now I'm putting my shield down because I could easily hide behind bestseller. Nobody would know the difference, but that's my shield to protect me. What that does, when I put my shield up, Mm -hmm. I I don't get to put my thoughts into the world because I'm hiding behind my shield. Hmm. And when I'm working with somebody else and they've got their shield up, I'm not getting their thinking. I'm not getting their openness. There's no trust. There's no dignity in that. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a really fun, powerful organization where everybody laughs a lot and invents and creates, put your shields
0: down. Hmm. There you go. And so how does that? How does once we drop our shields with each other, mm-hmm. how do we take that into the embracing of the learning and uh our stories?
1: So then you can look at your stories. So have you ever done this where you go, Well, when you said something and you go, Oh, it was really brilliant when it was in my head.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much every show.
1: Yeah, right, right. Okay.
0: Every well, joke I write in the show.
1: When you put it <laughs> into the world, you get to find out what it is you really have in your head.
0: Ah, madness.
1: Wait right? what? Yeah, right. Because you go, I put it out there. Well, inside my head, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. It was amazing. It was funny. Yeah. And I put it out in the world. You go, hmm, that wasn't quite what I thought it was. It depends on
0: which personality gives it to me, though.
1: And then, and then somebody else goes, "I like that idea. Let's add this to it."
0: Ah, so it's the it's the it's the uh, co-generative. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the collaboration.
1: Collaboration.
0: People working on, together on stuff.
1: Yeah, and. When two people both have something to put into it, how committed are they to it succeeding? Mm. Now, if somebody says, um, uh, Ron, do this. Okay, I'll do it. If it, what you told me to do it that way, I did it the way you told me to do it. You know, neck down, buddy. I I don't use my head, neck down. Now you have a whole organization of people who are just doing things because you told them to do it. Mm -hmm. And they're committed to getting it done. Eh, so-so, right? Where if you go, you have input into it, you actually have something at risk in the Mm. process. Now everybody's bought in. Everybody's committed into this process. Now you have this alive organization.
0: Mm -hmm. Because people have a vested interest in it as opposed to just taking orders.
1: um, Or 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 worse yet. And that is, I'm here to, what are you working on? 530? (laughs) Yeah. to get my
0: paycheck, <laughs> get uh, the paycheck of the week and just trying yeah. to get nine to five,
1: nine to five. I'm here, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just punching the clock, doing, doing the minimum doing I have the to thing. do to make it survive. Yeah. And people want, and people, some people say, well, the, the younger generation wants to contribute more. I've seen everybody I've ever worked with wants
0: to contribute
1: to other people. Yeah. No matter what age they are. It's where we get dignity. We're social animals.
0: Mm hmm. You talk a lot about dignity. Do you think a lot of people um, struggle to find dignity in work nowadays? Or, you know, what I see a lot, I don't know if it's tied into it, but what I see a lot is people just don't care so much about their work anymore. Um, you know, even when I did not did work for other people, I cared about the work. Because uh, to me, it was representative of me. It was also practice. I was like, I'm practicing for being a CEO and running my company someday. And if I can't do this good, I don't think I'll work that good on, on my thing. So I'm gonna master this and be good at what I do. Cause I'm I'm practicing, warming up. Um, but now it seems like, you know, I mean I see a lot of people that they just don't give a shit. They phone it in and but they're but they always want to be an entrepreneur I want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, well, if you work it hard at this as you do an entrepreneur, you're never gonna make us an entrepreneur. So I don't know. Do is is dignity the the thing more people need to find in their work or is it because they don't have the team building? Dignity
1: is a, it's a very powerful emotion, very powerful um, situation, mm-hmm. but it's kind of weird because we do things that can create our dignity, but we get it from other people. Mm. When I do something, right. Then people will go, that was good, man. You're, you're like, you're dignified or I love yeah. that. That's dignity, right? So yeah. if you just, if you just do it, you're really well, but nobody says anything. You don't really know, right? You're kind of in a limbo space. Kind so of. that you can actually offer somebody to say, man, that was really good. That means mm-hmm. you're being vulnerable because you're they may be better than you at this. <laughs> right? you I mean, You're going like, you're better at this than I am. You need to do this more. And let me f- follow in. Oh, wait, I'm better at this over here. Self-led teams, you never know who's going to be the leader. You never know who's going to be in charge. And that gives us a space for everybody to go, well, I only want to lead when I can make a difference for the team. I don't, want to be huh. a leader. I don't want to be a leader because I'm going like, I'm a leader, right? And I get the paycheck, right? And all that. Mm-hmm. No, I get to lead because this is my gift. This is my space. And then people give you dignity because they go, man, you were good at that. That was huh. amazing. Now, that's a fun place to go to work.
0: Yeah. It's kind of interesting, too. Self-ordained leaders. I mean, I guess the cream will rise to the top, right?
1: And the cream will rise to the top. Yes. But does it cream? It's not like one person rises. No. It's like each person at the right moment will rise to the top. Oh, there you go. Right. So then like everybody gets to be a chance to be a leader and everybody gets a chance to be a follower. And which skill becomes more important? Following. Hmm. Great self-led teams are really a group of powerful followers and they want to follow and they want to lead. But only when, only when it's their turn and I want to be a leader. I want to lead. There you
0: go. Uh, so uh, it's pretty interesting. What what would you call this style of of organization or structure? Like uh, some people call it, you know, things you know, like top down or wide. Um, I'm trying to think of the right
1: So word. so there's a there's a hierarchical, which you got a guy on top or a yeah. gal
0: on top, right? And there, and
1: then the word comes down, right? And you got grassroots where you got everybody coming up from the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. This is what was, someone called self directed or self led. But really it's, it's a team approach where there's somebody who's a visionary. Now this doesn't tell them how to do it. It just says, mm-hmm. we're going to go do this. And they have a visionary, somebody who will shaped where we're going to go, how we're going to get there, not how we're going to get there, where we're going to end up. And then everybody else gets to figure out how to get there. What's the best way, how to create it. And in that moment, you're always looking for who has the gifts. Hmm. Like we give example, uh, as working in a, a project in um, a a business unit in uh, Houston, Texas. And we had about uh, 180 resources, technician resources that were out in the field. Like they traveled all the time. Mm -hmm. And we had an accountant, right? Who like we were going to like eliminate his position and move it to the headquarters. Right. But -hmm. this guy knew everybody's name, knew their kid's name, knew everything about all those people. Now this is an accountant. We're going to be a human resource manager. Like, there's hmm. no reason to say that this was even possible except for he cared, he was able to follow, he w- he loved to lead and help people live a good life, and he shifted over to the new position. He's Still doing it today. This has been 14 years ago. I think he's wow. in his 70s now. And he loves the job. Now, that, that creates a space that everybody that works for him in that world loves working for him. Wow. So that makes it a space where... Now, you got to look for those jobs. Now, what do you call it, organization? Some people call it teal, self-directed. There are different names for them. What it really comes down to is a team that's self-directed.
0: There you go. Um, vision,
1: one visionary, or maybe two visionaries, and the rest of it's self-directed.
0: Uh, that sounds a whole lot more awesome. I like I like the chance that they build their own things. What is, uh, what is a, a, a thing you talk about with Recognizing the stories in our head. What is that about? So there's, um, thank you.
1: Even though I'm talking, you're filling in the gaps in between my words. Mm. Like, you're, like you're, you're always talking in your own head. In fact, the way language works is, I didn't make this up stuff. This is out there in the world. When I speak, those vibrations hit your eardrum, and then it goes through a bunch of mechanical, electrical, and chemical stuff. And then you make up a story and that story that's in your head. Mm -hmm. That's all you. Even though I said words, what you have in your head is yours. So we look at like, what are those stories we have in our head and we make them there. Like we're Hmm. closed system. So everything that's in our head, all the stories we put them there. Now there's a bias. We talked about this already. There's a bias in that story. Fear. Right. So we are always looking at where's the danger, where's the threat. And it comes from, our amygdala, you know, over time, we've evolved to where we don't have to outrun tigers and lions and all the other stuff in the world, right? But we still have that part of our brain to where we have that fear, where if, if, uh, if something moves over here in the corner of my eye, I'm going to look at it. I don't know what it is. It might be a threat. Could be no. could be danger for me. Dang. So we look at the stories that are, that are in our head. We take responsibility that we created them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And then we go, do I like that story or not?
0: Huh. And sometimes our stories are probably full of it. Sometimes maybe they're not, I suppose.
1: And only when we know that it's a story that we have in our head can we say, I like that story or I do mm-hmm. not like that story.
0: Ah. Well, yeah. So if you don't like the stories,
1: what do you do? Uh, several things. You can't erase the story. I've tried that uh, many times uh, with much pain. What about
0: shock therapy?
1: Yeah, well, with much pain and everything else. go, like, oh, I'm going to forget that story. And every time Robotomy? I thought about it, it became more vivid.
0: Ah, that's true. You reinforce it in your head. I keep
1: reinforcing the story, reinforcing the story. So then I go, okay, so what's my new story? And I told that new story what I liked. And then over time, the other one faded.
0: Ah, so telling yourself better stories, maybe. Tell yourself better stories.
1: And build a vulnerable network around you that's authentic, right? And then you Mm -hmm. can share your stories out loud. Because it's one thing to have a story in your head. It's something else to put it into the world and let it go back into your ear. And then you it like it sits in a different spot in your brain, and now you begin to change your self story, and your story's faster.
0: There you go. I'm going to write a book about a memoir of my life. I'm just going to lie about everything in it, and then I'm just going to put it out in the world, and then believe it. And then uh, will that work? No,
1: uh, I don't think so. But
0: you can try it. No. I'll, I'll be at least one one person. Who someone buys a book. The art of the deal. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> the uh, I bought that shit one in nineteen eighty six, and then nineteen eighty nine. I went, this guy's full of shit. Uh, so uh, let's see. Uh, so it, it's, the story in your head is really important. <laughs> the story in your head is really important. I like how I slid that one right through there. Uh, the um, uh, and what we tell ourselves. What about a team? Does teams have stories? Do teams have stories they keep in their heads.
1: They do. We we normally label that uh, culture. Uh-huh. Right. uh, So we have a story and we share the stories with each other enough that become part of what we do. And that becomes our culture, which means it will probably succeed without like one person leaves. It will continue on because it's a culture Ah. commonly commonly held story. Those cultures, which is a very powerful thing because like you can change the world with with a powerful culture Mm -hmm. and it can be exceptionally hard to overcome because it's so embedded inside of the people. Oh, well. If you don't, if you don't acknowledge that this, the the culture is there, you're you're never going to be able to change it.
0: And that probably helps the teams that are created the way you're talking about, because if somebody does leave, then the team doesn't fall apart, or the leadership that was in the team doesn't fall apart, because it can self lead itself, right?
1: It, it can continue as 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 long as it's allowed to continue to self lead itself.
0: There you go, right? Well, but if
1: somebody comes in and says, "No, look, it's my way of the highway. We're going to do it this way now. Mm-hmm. Now." 20 for twenty to 40% of the team will probably leave within the first year because they're going like, I don't want to live that kind of life anymore. Then yeah. you you can go the other way, but it's much more resilient because everybody comes to work every day to do a good job.
0: It almost seems like it's a very kind of intrapreneur, I-N-T-E-R-preneur sort of mindset inside of an organization where you can have people that can act like entrepreneurs Inside of a company. Is that very maybe a good analogy? Uh, yeah, yeah. No,
1: I think it's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. We're all in that world of entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? Whether we're in our own company that we started and formed, or in, in a, and I've been a part of a 450,000 person organization, which is a pretty good sized company. Yeah. But in uh- that group, we were able to create all kinds of new thinking and new spaces mm-hmm. and, live, and live a good life.
0: There you go. I, you know, that was one of my things when I first, before I hit my first big company and I wrote about it in my book was being able to be an entrepreneur at a company. And it made me feel so much more fulfilled, uh, being able to create wherever I wanted to, being able to feel like I could contribute, uh, and I had value. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing. You know, maybe, uh, you talked about the dignity and I imagine having a value and being respected plays into the word dignity, I suppose.
1: What what I I, I always re- remind myself and remind as many of people as I can. Money is normally the fifth reason somebody leaves a company. Yeah, right. It's it's not about the money. It's about do I get to contribute? Do they respect me? Do they trust my ideas? Mm. Can I make a difference? Those are the questions people are asking whether they, whether they want to come to work or not. And if they can't see a way to get away from that, they'll stay, turtle up,
0: turtle up. <laughs> And, Explain and, what at, turtling up is. I like that term.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just heard I, it. I've watched it, right? You just pull everything back in, right? And you, you wait for the commotion to go along, and then you slowly slink off to the side.
0: Wow. Wow. So you don't stick your neck out. Don't uh, take any risks.
1: You don't uh, contribute. You just collect, don't contribute. Your, pay, collect, just your, collect paycheck. your
0: paycheck and do your thing. Do the Love
1: minimum. It. Do the minimum so you don't Love have any reason to get fired. Don't steal. Don't do all of those stuff. So you don't get fired. But you're not really adding to the company.
0: That's true. I see a lot of turtling in business and stuff then. i got to remember that. I never, I've never, never heard that term uh, used for that. But, yeah, that does explain a lot. Everywhere I go now, I'm going to be like, yeah, some turtling. Uh, the, uh, so it, these are really interesting things. So uh, tell us about some of the things that you offer through your consulting service. I can see a lot of stuff that you have here on your website that you offer people. Tell us about some of the ways you help coach people, consult with them, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Uh, Yeah. Our, our fundamental offer is it's a 18 week workshop and that sounds really long, but it's only about two, three hours a week. And the reason it's designed over that period of time is you got to go out and practice it, right? It's not like you're going to go do it for a weekend. It's not a weekend retreat, get away, come back and everybody's great. And five days later, you don't remember what you did. This is, (laughs) Every week for 18 weeks, you're going to have some sort of, of new learning, a new place to go out and practice Ugh. some experiments. And we bring either a business together. We've had several big companies that have come through with us where they hire, they'll, they'll put in like 20 to 30 people at a time, mm-hmm. and they'll go through this. And when they get to the end, uh, what, what they notice is uh, the peace, like how much peace people have mm. with each other. The yelling goes away. The retention goes up. Uh, even during the pandemic, uh, we had major restaurants that their retention went from around 50% to uh, almost 95%. Holy crap. In the restaurant business. Because when they came to work, they go, this place is different. This place, yeah. I, I want to be here. Now, what that means is people are listening to each other. They're trusting each other. They're, they're When somebody comes in to say something to them, they don't immediately go to, well, you're a jerk, and I don't want you around. They go sounds to, like my office. Yeah, well, They go to... Okay, I, I, you may be upset. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Can you explain what's going on and then mm-hmm. so listening back and forth to where now people start to trust their supervisors or managers, their mm-hmm. other employees and that that's what happens when you go through that now we that's our fundamental offer. Mm-hmm. We also have um, a coaching offer where we can come in and coach key employees so we're normally only coaching uh, supervisors managers all the way up to CEOs and it's kind of in joint with people going through the program. So the, the goal is we're not just executive coaches and we're not just like the grassroots bottom uh, training We're mm. every level in between. And what that does is it creates a, a, a social pressure. So the CEO's learning something and the middle management is learning something and the baseline are learning something. And everybody's trying to keep up with the other guy or the mm. gal. And what that does is it begins to take the culture and create their own. It's not our culture. They're not taking our culture. They're creating their own culture,
0: which is probably important because it will keep living on after you guys aren't training them anymore.
1: And and we we go as far as to license our program to them. So if they're you know four hundred fifty to five thousand person organization, Mm -hmm. they can learn to train on their own. And the 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 fun part is the people who are leading these programs, they Mm -hmm. always get the most learning. Mm. You're being responsible for somebody else's learning. where you learn the most so we turn that role over to them in their business to do that so they can really shape their culture as they want using our methodology and that's why we have the coaches up here and we have the the workshop for middle to lower and then we have what we call an arena Mm -hmm. and what the arena is it's a it's a once a week zoom call where we come together and work a real situation so people bring a real situation and we work it it's pretty simple But It's a place for it's you know, no judging, no authenticity, nobody telling anybody what to do. It's a place just to practice the methodology and to build connection with each other.
0: There you go. Uh, you guys have a program called the Four Cornerstones of CEO Success, all right? Uh, no, Four no. Cornerstones. Uh, so, no, I'm sorry, I. I'm I'm on the wrong website here. I'm okay. looking at the wrong website. <laughs> My bad. Uh, scratch that. Uh, so uh, how do people onboard with you? How do they get to know you better and uh, what you're doing?
1: Uh, you, you can always find us on our website. You can find us on LinkedIn. Um, most of our business comes from somebody who's gone through the program is recommending us to somebody else. And um, if you want to kind of get an idea of what the flavor is like, grab the book, read through the book, Everything that we do in the methodology, um, everything we do in coaching, it's hidden in the book. It's like, a, for, for me, it's a book full of Easter eggs. So there's all kinds of things to find and pull out as you go through that.
0: There you go. Uh, so give us the .dot .com so people know where they can onboard with you and final pitch out as we go out.
1: Yeah, uh, MacklinConnection.com. It's our website for businesses to show up. If you want to just learn more about what we're doing, go to the Imaginal community.mn.co. And that's a place where you can read more articles, meet more people, sign up for different stuff with us.
0: There you go. Well, it's been super insightful to have you on, man. And it's so deep and, and uh, wow, who knew there are better ways to build teams where they can lead on their own instead of having somebody just boss around every day. And I think, I think too many people think of the approach of that this way. And uh, there is a much better way through what you got there in the book. Thank you for coming on the show, Ron.
1: Chris, thank you for inviting me, and uh, thank you for your show.
0: There you go. Thank you. And uh, thanks, Ron, for tuning in as well. Order the book wherever fine books are sold. Everyone is afraid, A Fable of Fear, Friendship, and Flourishing, available October 5th, 2023 by Ron Macklin. Uh, thanks for uh, joining up. We uh, refer the show to your family, friends, relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, linkedin.com, Fortress Chris Voss, youtube.com com fortress chris voss and uh, chris voss one on the tickety-tockety thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time And that should have us out